MSW Media. All right, so we are live here. Uh, 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 what we're drinking is the uh, is the podcast. Dan Dunn, a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, we honor his time. He's been a great man, a gracious host. We love you all to death. We'll see you soon. Zinky McGinky, take care. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome, everybody. It is great to be back. This is the first show of 2022. We're going to kick it off with the, the first guest that we ever had on What We're Drinking. The great Zane Lamprey is going to be joining me in just a little bit. Zane hosted a was a really a pioneer in the world of drinking entertainment. He hosted a show called Three Sheets, and he followed that up with a show called Drinking Made Easy. And of course, he was the co-host of the wildly popular podcast known as Happy Hour with Zane and Dunn. It's Happy Hour with Zane and Dunn. The world's strong... I miss that show. I really do. I, you know what's crazy is we didn't keep any files <laughs> i didn't keep any of the audio files i went i wanted to dig out some of the cool stuff I, we had some great guests on there i was thinking about we had terry nunn from berlin the lead singer berlin was on the show with zane and i and she came in she did this amazing acoustic version of the song no more words remember this song no more words you remember right here this is it right here yeah That's she did it acoustically, kind of looking right in my eyes while she sang it. It was a brilliant, beautiful moment, and I can't find it anywhere. I apologize. Apologize, I really do. Hope you all had a good holiday. I hope you're staying safe right now. This Omicron is no joke. I guess even though there are people out there who are acting like it's a joke. And and look, I get it. The shit is tedious. These precautions we got to take, the masking, the social distancing, not, you know, making out with strangers in bars. This is hard to handle, but that's why God created booze. Booze will help us get through it. It really will. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Will it? Maybe. Got a bunch of messages from people on social media over the holidays. Uh, I, I'm going to get to all this stuff. Some people, as I've encouraged you to do, if you want to leave me a voice memo, you can do that and then send it to dan at whatwe'redrinking.com and I will answer it. Maybe. If it's a good question or it's a good comment, I'll put it on the show. And I got one uh, that we're going to try right here. Let, let's, 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 let's hear what uh, this listener wants to know. Hello? Hey, Dan. My name is Sonu. I'm a big fan of the show. So we're already a week into 2022 and I noticed you haven't posted any new episodes yet. What are you doing? Dry January or something? Totally was hanging, bro. Well, first off, so new, I would never, ever, ever leave my listeners hanging unless they came for my lucky charms. In which case, I'll string you right the fuck up. They're always after me, lucky charms. I'm dating myself with this reference, all right? Am I dating myself? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Dry January. I have never once attempted dry January, I'll admit that. But I did try dry February. That's right. It was years ago. I'm going to guess probably 15 years ago. I figured I would try February because, you know, 
not only is it the shortest month on the calendar, but with the exception of the Super Bowl, there's really not a lot of special occasions in February that are going to tempt you. Like they call for alcohol consumption, you know, obviously January, you got the football playoffs, you have New Year's Day and the parades and all that. And March, you got Fat Tuesday, the NCAA tournament, St. Patrick's Day, Vernal Equinox. Um, by the way, I always get loaded on the Vernal Equinox, but I only sleep with druids. You got to have standards. December, you got Christmas, Festivus, the annual end of season collapse of the Dallas Cowboys, the awarding of Nobel Prizes. July is my birthday. You can't do it then. But, you know, it's February. Totally do February. All I had to do was make it through the Super Bowl, and I was home free. So I'm going to tell you that by my third day of sobriety, I was seriously on edge. My normal everyday life, it's not completely unprecedented, and it doesn't even seem painfully difficult for me to go three, four, five, six days without touching a drop. But the fact that I'd made a conscious decision to abstain from drinking, that was gumming up the works, okay? I'd committed myself to staying straight, and commitment's not something I've really ever been good at. So... Round about dinner time on that third day, I remember I got a text message from this woman that I'd been seeing off and on, and she asked me if I'd like to meet her out for a drink, which, you know, in the casual dating parlance of Los Angeles translates to, you know, let's get drunk and screw. And I was like, sure, where? And and I was about to hit send. I typed that out, and then I suddenly experienced this pang of something that felt an awful lot like guilt, and I couldn't even have a drink to make it go away either. And then guilt actually spoke to me. Guilt said, three lousy days and you're already giving up. That's my guilt voice. What's the point? I said back to guilt. It's not like I'm quitting booze forever anyway, and I could do it if I wanted. I mean, what's the difference if I resume drinking now or 25 days from now? The difference is you promised yourself you'd stop for a while, that clever bastard retorted. If you break that promise, you're a fucking weakling. Of course, I'm like, I'm not a fucking weakling. Yes, you are. A weakling and a drunk. I was like, whoa, whoa, so now I'm a drunk too, Gil. How do you figure? And Gil was like, because if you weren't a drunk, you could handle not drinking for one measly month. And I said, listen, Gil, I don't have to drink. I want to. There's a difference, you know. Gil was like, do tell. I said, look, Gil, this woman is really hot and interesting, and she wants to meet for a drink and screw. Why wouldn't I do that? I wouldn't be in my right mind if I didn't do that. Guilt was like, but nobody's saying you can't meet her and screw. Go for it. Let her have a cocktail. You order a club soda. I was like, yo, then she's going to wonder why I'm not drinking a real drink, and I'm going to have to explain it. I don't feel like getting all into that with, like, a fuck buddy. It's just easier to have the drink. Wait, get into what, guilt ass? I was getting, I'm like getting mad. I'm getting irritated. I'm getting anything, man. I don't know, like the reasons I decided not to drink for a while. She's, and then guilt was like, what are the reasons? And I was like, give me a break. And and guilt was like, is it because of instead of going out and making a great impression on a powerful TV producer who literally could have changed your life, you got bombed and made a complete ass out of yourself. All right, that's the thing that happened. That's a story for another time. I'll tell you about it. And But I say right back to God, I'm like, he, the TV producer got drunk too. What floor did he wind up sleeping naked on? I was like, you know what, Gil? Fuck you, man. You think I'm a weakling? I'll show you how fucking weak I am. So I sent that woman a text and I said, hey, I'm trying out a new prescription allergy medication. I can't drink. Do you want to come over here instead? And she said, I'll be right over. I was like, see, guilt? No problem. Now, by the morning of day five, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Things had gone swimmingly with that woman on day three. And then the following night, I'd gone bowling with friends and didn't touch a drop. Let me repeat that so I know what happened. I went bowling and didn't drink. That's like skiing without snow. I bet Jesus couldn't even do that. And I had a great time. Turns out I'm a far better bowler sober than I am sauced. The pins are just so much easier to see without the booze goggles on. And then there was no issue with the drive home. Afterwards, it was all so damn easy. I began to wonder why I insisted on making things so hard on myself by drinking all the time. But, you know, as day five wore on, 
a feeling of trepidation started to come over me because I was innately aware that the Super Bowl was coming up on day six. Now, long before I decided to give up drinking, I accepted an invitation to a party that an actor friend of mine was thrown in the Hollywood Hills. And, I, you know, there was going to be a lot of alcohol, drugs, gambling, beautiful people. And certainly it would prove to be an environment that no reasonable person who's trying to remain sober would willingly subject themselves to. Thank goodness I'm not a reasonable person. I'm more like the daredevil thrill seeker type. To me, this party represented the ultimate challenge was the Mount Everest of abstinence. And I would climb it, god damn it. I even convinced myself that if I could emerge from this Super Bowl party unsauced, I would have proven to myself, much like Sir Edmund Hillary himself, there's nothing I can't do once I've set my mind to it. I want to be honest, I had some doubts. Like Not only about attending the Super Bowl party, but about this quitting experiment in general. So I wound up calling my dad, who'd been in AA and was in AA for a very, very long time, and at that point had been 25 years, and we basically had a conversation about why I was doing this, and my the gist of what my dad was saying was like, you know, if I didn't have a problem, why was I stopping drinking anyway? And, you know, I basically was like, well, you know, it's just something I wanted to do, dad. But why do you want to do it? Why would someone who claims not to have a problem with alcohol suddenly decide they need to give up alcohol? And I don't know. I was like, hey, Dad, stop it. You sound like my freaking shrink. And, uh, yeah, we talked about it some more. So, all right. So, as expected, the Super Bowl party was off the hook, right? Beer, booze, babes, game. It was very, very exciting game. I think it was the Saints and the Colts. It was like one of the most watched TV shows ever. Everyone was drinking, having a fabulous time. Everybody but me, that is. And the thing was, I was having fun, but I was, you know, I was determined to stick to my guns and stay sober. And, you know, I I believe my dad had made some legitimate points. Like, why would someone who didn't expect on some level they had a problem ever feel the need to quit drinking? But I wasn't completely buying into that. I could see the shades of gray that my dad had overlooked. And and I'm not going to get into all my issues that I have with 12-strip treatments and all that. Again, we'll save that for another time. It just got me thinking about something my, my, my old friend and mentor Hunter S. Thompson once said about the edge, that there's no honest way to explain it because the only people who really know where it is are the ones who have gone over. And at that point, and at this point too, I'm not willing to concede that occasionally going overboard means I'm powerless over alcohol or anything like that. So Look, I hesitate to compare myself to Hunter as a writer, but I have no problem comparing myself to him as a man. And and like him, I've always felt more comfortable. I, I don't know, is comfort? I don't know, is there comfort? I don't know. But, but like operating beyond the fringes of polite society, you know, out where people are just fucked up and crazy in myriad ways. And I think people out there beyond the fringes, they drink because life's more fun that way or more tolerable at least or because in, you know, Rare instances, they make a living writing and talking about it. That's me. Look, I didn't arrive at the decision to stop drinking for a month out of desperation or fear. I decided to do it for the same reason I tried skydiving or once ate an entire can of Spam because I wanted to see if they would kill me. And they didn't. To risk a cliche, they made me stronger. Except for the Spam, which made me incontinent. Uh, But seriously, you know, I felt like I was made of steel when I woke up on day seven of my sobriety experiment because I'd made it through the Super Bowl without so much as a sip of alcohol. And in the process, I'd proven to myself that, yeah, maybe I wasn't as much of a hopeless lush as I thought. Plus, I felt spry. I hadn't felt that spry in a long time. I could think clearly. My muscles didn't ache. No shakes, no bed spins, hardly any spontaneous nosebleeds. I think I might even dropped a few pounds, too. You remember that famous quote by Frank Sinatra, the one about how he felt sorry for people who didn't drink because when they woke up in the morning, that was as good as they were going to feel all day? So maybe Frank wasn't as spot on as I'd previously thought. I mean, I love a great buzz as much as the next bipolar crooner, but the hangovers don't get any easier to handle the older you get. Just ask, you know, some of Frank's Rat Pack pals like Peter Lawford. Oh, on second thought, don't. He died in 1984 of liver failure. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, let's talk about sobriety. He's choking me up. Mm. So later that night, I got a, another text from that woman 
asking if I'd like to come meet her for a drink. And I said, yeah. And she suggested one of my, uh, suggested one of my favorite bars in Santa Monica and went there and I got in a little early and I, and I, and I, my plan was I was going to stick to vodka soda, but I would tell the bartender that when I said vodka soda, I just meant soda. So she, maybe she would think I'm drinking and, uh, or maybe I'd, you know, just use the allergy medication excuse again. And, uh, you know, look, last time I checked clean and sober doesn't mention anything about honesty. It's well known that drunks trying to keep drinking lie all the time. Never realized that drunks trying to stop drinking lie more than politicians. So I get in the bar and then I I hear this familiar voice in my head and it was that pain in the ass guilt again, but guilt was singing a different tune this time. You know, man, it kind of sucks to waste a whole night with a beautiful woman in a great cocktail bar only drinking club soda, don't you think? Eh, figures. Guilt was always a two-faced motherfucker. So I didn't drink that night, but four days later I did. And in retrospect, going bowling again was too much temptation for fate to handle. But I made it 11 days. 17 shy of the 28 I'd been going for. Not even halfway, but it was okay. The way I figured, I'd made it through the Super Bowl. That was victory enough. Besides, if I have this whole denial thing figured right, staying sober to the end of the month would indicate that I felt the need to do so. Which would mean I really was a drunk, right? So I had to drink just to prove I wasn't a drunk. I knew that logic class I took in college was going to come in handy one day. You can do it! So to answer your question, Sonu, no, I am not doing dry January. What we drinking? Oh, hell yeah. Batiste Rum. You know what I'm talking about? I friggin' love this brand. Batiste Rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. What's that mean? Well, it means that Batiste's proprietary production process from ground to bottle has been rigorously reviewed and validated as being carbon negative. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Okay, you're probably still like, yeah, but what's that mean? (laughs) It means you can feel good about drinking it, my friends. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. Most importantly, it's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neat or in cocktails. And Batiste rum has not one but two kick-ass offers for my listeners. That's you. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. But if you want their delicious reserve rum, you can enter code RESERVE get 20% off. Batiste Rum is the absolute shiz. Proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. I started this show back in June of 2019. This is our 157th episode of What We're Drinking. It is the first episode of the first full episode of 2022. And I thought, what better way to kick off a new year? that's hopefully going to be better than the last two years, than with the guy who was our very first guest, the very first guest on what we're drinking back when the world looked a whole hell of a lot different. And it I'm, good. It did, didn't it? And I'm really hoping to maybe it's get it. some of that it mojo really back. So it. please welcome to the show, Zane <laughs> Lamprey. How you doing, buddy? The, uh, do I, is, is this where I hold for applause? Or you'll yes. put that in afterwards. Okay, we'll that's post. Great. That goes that's in great. post, yeah. Yeah, think about how how it looked, man. June 2019, I was planning my my what was at that point a 70 city, which was ambitious uh, stand up comedy tour. Um, planning that, plotting it, and then tickets were going to go on sale on St. Patrick's Day 2020. And so when we got into <laughs> January, which by the way, so everybody re- remembers the dates out there. That is exactly when all the shit went you know down. What? Yeah, I I talk about that uh, in in my standup, just as just in the in, in my warm up part of the standup, and there is no explanation needed for St. Patrick's Day of 2020. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that that was basically when when the shit hit the fan, and so I I was planning to go on my tour, 
And then in January, it's like, oh, let's put that things on hold. People are starting to say, well, let's see what happens. And then February, March, actually January was fine, by the way. In, Feb- in February, I got really sick, February of 2020. And I had like breathing, like gurgling breathing issues. And I went into the doctor and this is like February, this is right around Valentine's Day. And I went to the doctor and the word COVID or coronavirus was not even mentioned in that visit. She gave me an asthma inhaler and an antibiotic. So, so like in February, mid-February, it was like, ah, it's not even a thing. Like they weren't even, my doctor wasn't even talking about it. And then anyway, so the tour didn't happen. Do you think you, um, you think you had COVID then? I think that I did. I went and got an antibodies test and uh, um, it didn't, um, uh, it came, it came back negative, but, but everyone's like, yeah, that was, it was like April of 2020. And they said that those tests were not that good back then. Um, So, you know, anyway, so it's like, I I ended up kicking up the tour in 2021 and doing 89 cities. And now I'm kicking it off again in 2020. I'm doing 120 dates, 120 stand-up dates this year at at breweries around the country. But before we talk about that, I want to mention that I did do one stand-up set in, in 2020, uh, it was, it was a Christmas party. It was a corporate gig and they, they offered, they want to see if I wanted to do it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to, it was like, it was over zoom. Right. So it was a fortune 500, which uh, everybody knows company. is the best way to do stand up comedy. Stand up really is, it's not about reading the room. It's not about the energy or the, the live people with laughs. It's about the material. No, it was, it was, it was doing zoom is like, I said, no. And then they said, well, let me tell you how, let me, let me, let me say how much we're going to pay you. And I was like, oh yeah, it'll be great. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> and so I agreed to do it. And I get on the phone with the, I said, can you put me in touch with someone at the company to like get an idea of, of, um, of like maybe just the, your brand DNA, how you guys got the name of your company and all that kind of stuff. Is something about the owner. So I can kind of work that into stand up. Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. So I get on, on with the head of head of events. It's such a big company. They have a head of events. And she was telling me all this stuff about how the company got their name and all this great, great information. It was like, it was, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Anything else I should know. And she said, well, this is a predominantly a Mormon company because they're based out of Salt Lake. It's predominantly <laughs> Mormon. So Salute. maybe just don't do any of your, of your drinking jokes. And I was like, <laughs> you mean my jokes? I mean, like, look, this is what I've been doing for the last How did they get decades. you? How did they get come to you? Somebody, like going, somebody was a, it's like booking Bobby Flay and going, hey, we, this is overeaters. We don't want to talk about food. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. Yeah, we, somebody at the, at the company was a fan or two people were like in, I don't know what department and said, you got to get this guy. He's hilarious, whatever. And, and, you know, my standup isn't really out there. Like you can't, you can't really Google and find much of my standup. And so, um, I did it, but which was amazing, which was a very painful exercise. I had a month and a half to prepare. So they probably connected with me in the beginning of November. And, um, and they said, um, you know, so I, I, I had to write standup from scratch. And so I wrote a 45 to 50 minute set with no drinking jokes. And it was the the process was painful. The 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 performance was painful. I mean, I had 150 people that were part of it. That like I probably had 30 people on the screen at any point, and it was just alternating. And some people like you go and the seat was empty. Some people are eating. Some people are like clearly typing and doing work. You're like, <laughs> oh my god, this is. I'm just, so I I I didn't have it memorized. So I just dragged my my text document and filled my entire screen, and then just did it. And then, and then removed it. And I'm like, thanks everybody. And then like, then they're just like, do you mind doing a quick Q and A? I'm like, yeah, sure. And it was like, pop, 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 pop. All the people disappeared. There's like five people left that like had questions about like three sheets or three committees. It, it, <laughs> so you're and, standing and, and then, and then I get, off to a big uh, rousing story. Yeah, it was great. Then, then people started DMing me from the company, like how funny it was and stuff like that. So it was just like, it was painful. I thought I, I thought I bombed it. And at the end, they were like, no, it was really funny. It was so much fun. We'd understand how difficult it was. Da, da, da. And even, even the CEO like sent me a nice note. So it was like, oh, okay. But, but again, it was kind of one of those things. Of, it, it was a good thing to go through as a standup because it was so painful. And, and, and the, the worst that you can give yourself like in, in experience as a standup, the better you're going to be as a stand-up. I'm looking back and, and, and God, it seems so long ago, but I was doing regular gigs from here. I was hosting a, a weekly live stream for Flaviar. 
I was doing a lot of corporate events like you're talking about. I wasn't doing stand-up, but it was a lot of engagement. I hosted a tremendous amount of office parties, happy hours. This, 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 is, this, is, this, is, this is pre-COVID? or, or this, this is during COVID. All, during, oh all God, over yeah. Zoom. And I got to be honest, those gigs were great for me. And again, I wasn't yeah. doing stand-up just because it was all here. And, yeah. you know, I got, to, I got to play to my strengths, which was, you know, making some fun and doing this. But, you know, the other part you talk about, which was great, is when you're doing the Zoom, as long as you're experienced at reading off a teleprompter or something like that, which we both are, you know, you've got your shit up there, but they don't know. They think you're just talking to them. I'm like, so right. oh, what would, right. would you like to know all about the history of rum? I've got everything memorized. And you just start going yeah, in. Yeah, right. So here's a 1672. It was, and they're all like, wow, man, you know your stuff. I'm like, no, it's all right here on the computer. Yeah. But yeah. I, I formed an odd, especially when I was doing the Flaviar thing, because it was a lot of the same people they were members would tune in every week and you you know this is the height of the pandemic when we were really not able to do anything at all and i formed this odd bond with the i I could still when i'm looking right now i can remember a lot of these faces of these people that were on there every week and in a way i started i started looking forward to seeing them because i was i'm you know unlike you i'm not married i'm home i'm alone i got my dog that's it and uh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was it was kind of my I got excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see a bunch. Oh, there's John from Denver and there's Stephanie from Maine. And I'm going to get to see them all. They're my friends. I'm probably never going to see them again now. But I'll tell you, man, it helped sustain me during the pandemic. It really did. Well, it's it's interesting because once once you get back out there, because I know you also do a lot of in-person events, like once you get back out there, you are going to see those people. Because me getting out there, like I had a company called gather g-a-t-h-r and what they started off was you could rent out theaters like in anywhere in the country you could rent out a theater and like screen your movie or whatever it is and and the you know the theater would get money and people would buy tickets and all that kind of stuff and they wanted to change it and they wanted me to do stand-up and we we were at a point where they wanted me to turn my garage because that was the biggest kind of space i had available here turn my garage into basically like a stage set up lights, set up a mic and do stand up once a week and have people tune in and pay money to watch it. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I don't want people to think that this is what my stand up is. So I got to a point where, you know, I got the bank, you know, you know, calling me every day and, 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 you know, um, for a lot of people, things got really tight during, during COVID. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get out there and and do my stuff on Zoom and have people think that that's the best that I can do. I'm going to wait to go on tour. And thank God that I did. My tour, my tour has been massive. Like we've sold out 60 of the 89 uh, uh, venues that we did the show at. So so I'm doing the show at breweries across, across okay, the Okay, so everybody knows this too, by the way. <laughs> Zane's background, obviously you hosted Three Sheets. You hosted Drinking Made Easy. That's just- your background was not as a stand-up. That's right. That's and so right, yeah. th- to do to do what you're doing, to do what you decided to do, and, and I went and saw you recently out here in California, uh, and I was so impressed, man, because you have a you have the material and the stage presence of someone who has been at this a long time. Really, I mean, I've seen com- I know comedians that have been at it a long time that are not nearly as polished as you were. You had It's amazing that I needed to get on your show in order for you to say something nice, nice about, about me. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It's like you're only going to be nice when other people are listening to you that's be right. nice. To I me. want no, them dude, to that, think that, I'm that, that, that's, that's a kind awesome. and benevolent that's person. Awesome. No, but it was it was I was real I was not that I wasn't expecting to be entertained. I certainly was. But <clears throat> I was I was really pleasantly surprised at just how the command of the stage and the ease. I mean, that's the thing I think that sinks a lot of comedians if they seem uneasy or uncut and you just really, you really took charge of the space and the material was great. Really funny. It was, it was a great night and, and I understand why you're selling out because it's funny. You know, it's, it, what's interesting is, so you saw probably my, my 85th show of the year. So the material was really dialed in. Um, like, and, 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 
you know, and I like to, I do a Q and A beforehand. Were you part of the Q and A? Were you there when I did the Q and A beforehand? Well, I, 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 no, I, no, no, I was, if you recall, there was a, uh, there were some attendees that really yes. wanted to, yes. ox- they That's wanted right. to take all the oxygen out of the room. There was one, per- I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but there was, there were, uh, there was a person there who would not stop asking you questions and she may have been overserved. Yes. What? Yes. That, that's what happened. So the people that get there first are the people that they, they rush up to the front row. They sit there. They've been drinking the longest They're the biggest fans and they just start to talk during the standup. <laughs> and the whole thing about the standup is like, I get that people think that heckling or talking is what you're supposed to do. It is not what you're supposed to do. Like this is, it, it, some of it's off the cuff, but let's be honest, 90, 99% of it is, is, is memorized and the timing is all there. And if someone's going to be jumping in whenever I have like a pregnant pause, like that are, that are built in there for specific reasons, people, I've had people jump on my punchlines, all this kind of stuff. I had a guy that was jumping on my punchlines and I had a, a wireless mic. I get off the stage. This is probably a 65 year old man dressed in a nice suit. Looks like it looked like a, this is in Dayton, Ohio. It looked like a local car dealer. I took him by the hand. I walked him to the back, put him in a chair, got to the front, took his folding chair, folded up, threw it at the back of the stage and continued. I put the guy in a timeout. I, I look back there five minutes later and the guy was passed out. So there's a, so there's definitely like, there is a very fine line between interrupting and Pat being passed out. Now, the interesting thing about the show that you went to is that I invited all of my friends, network people, like in, uh, entertainment uh, industry people. So I had I had producers and directors and people in the in the um, in the audience that that are big working people. And then I had friends. I it was so interesting. I couldn't ever get the image of anyone, including you out of my head at any given point. It was the weirdest thing. Cause like I'm sitting there talking and I couldn't get you. I couldn't get my wife. And I just like all my friends, you know, hundreds of people, whatever. I couldn't get all these people that I knew out of my head. And it was not my best performance because what I like, this is kind of weird. I don't know if this is interesting, but like, I like when I'm doing a show, like I do show number 75, right. And I'm doing it in, in, in Seattle. And, and it's a lot of people I don't know, but there's like three members of the three sheets crew that are there. I love that because I was kind of doing the show for them. They didn't know that, but that's kind of how it was for the show that you were at. There were so many people that I knew it it was, it was messing with my head. It was the weirdest thing. It was a, it was a weird phenomenon. And I, I think people can like, like my, like my wife would never get up on stage. She would literally have you cut off the tip of her pinky finger rather than get on stage and even say, ladies and gentlemen, Zane Lamprey. She would like, she, she's, she's. I, I get what you're saying, man. I, you know, I do this show. Well, I mean, limited because of COVID obviously, but we have done a couple of shows at the stand comedy club in New York city and they're sold out. It's been great. Two things on that. One was the first one we did, which was back in June. A friend of mine brought a friend who had been overserved and wanted to be part of the show. And I'm not. Oh now I had some seasoned comedians on the stage with me. He wasn't being obnoxious enough, I guess, to rattle them. But I remember, like, I I'm trying to keep the show going because it's it throws you off. Like you're you're up there and you're mm-hmm. and you're you've got a plan. Like you said, a lot of it's memorized. I have a lot of it scripted out how I want to handle it. And when someone interjects that isn't supposed to, you, your brain really starts racing. Like, what do I do? How do I deal with this? How? And then the other part of that that first show was. I invited my ex-girlfriend to the show who I probably still had feelings for at the time and was confused about what I wanted. And it occupied a lot of my thought during the show. And that is not where right. you want to be. Like I'm going, right. what is she thinking about this show? And and there are even points where I'm like, do I look good while I'm up here? And it's the worst yeah. place to be. I'd rather be in front of a group of strangers who I don't give a shit what they really think about me personally. Like, am I am I impressing them? Is this going to make them want to get back together with and, me? And, and that's how, and, and that's how I felt about the first twenty shows. But then the material was like it's the same. Like I'm 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 improving it every night. Right? I'm trying to take a joke. That was maybe like a five minute story and turned into a four and a three and a two. Like, boom, oh, it's a, it's a minute and 
It's a minute 50. Oh man, this story is so tight and perfect. I know how good it is. But like, but like when I finally got to that point, then I really liked for friends because you know, you're like me. I have friends all over the country. Every city I'm in, I have somebody that I know or a friend that's coming to the show. And I love to have fresh blood there. But in in the Hollywood at the Hollywood show, there was just too many. There was like a hundred people that I knew, you know, my friends, my neighbors, like whatever. And I just wanted to do a good job. And I and I and I I I don't know if you remember, like I was up there and I'm like, uh, and I was doing it. And I just pounded a beer. Like I'm just gonna take a beer. I'm gonna. I, 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 just, I just thought that was not what you would normally do. You know, it's not. It's okay. not. I wouldn't. Yeah. Um. I don't. Like the day of a show, I don't drink. Like I go to a brewery and they have like collaboration beers, all these things they want us to try. And I just, I don't do it until I take the stage for the Q&A. Then I have a beer. And then when I come on and do my show, I have a beer. Like I, I, I want to give people the best possible show. I tell, I tell people like the more you drink, the better the show gets. The more I drink, it's, it has the opposite effect. But people want- Yeah, it's the same thing on this podcast. Like if I go back yeah. and I listen to my- there are times when we've done the podcast, especially when we're doing it in person together, where I, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's chucking, mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. go. Yeah, keep going, buddy. You know, we're drinking. I'll give you a, a, an example. You know, I did one with uh, Allison Janney, who you know, mm-hmm. we did our show a long time ago, Zane and yeah. I used to do. And Allison and I are throwing back some tequila. And by the end, I'm like, this is so much fun. Like, you're drunk with an Oscar-winning actress. But when (laughs) you go back and listen to it, you're like, this isn't that great. Like, the beginning was fine when I'm my Mm – because when you start to – it's great when people in the audience lose their inhibitions and they start to – but not for the performer because the other thing you do is you start forgetting shit that you wanted to do or Mm -hmm. say. And it's not – people have asked me that all the time. Oh, man, you must be fucked up when you're writing your books, right? And I'm like, no. No, I'm not a fucking. <laughs> this, yeah, but, but but you know what's interesting is like you can't. The people don't want you to answer that like you just did. And I've and I've learned because people used to be like, oh, no, no. I went to, into an audition one time for like a network sitcom, and they're like, are you drunk right now? I'm like, no, I don't really drink. I only drink when I'm when I'm shooting. And they're just kind of like, oh, you know, like like they didn't <laughs> really expect me to be drink to be drunk. But they just, but they wanted like, come on, man! Like you gotta, you gotta carry a little bit of that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have the 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 lore follow you in just a little bit, you know. And now a word from one of our dream sponsors, Blatt's Beer, circa nineteen fifties. You know, if I didn't have the can right in my hand, I'd say this beer came straight from the tap. Hold everything! Let's hear that again. If I didn't have the can right in my hand, I'd say this beer came straight from the tap. Blatt's tastes so good because it's all draft brewed. Some brewers make a different beer for bottles and cans than they do for the tap. But we take our draft brewed beer, pasteurized of course, bottle it, and can it. That's why Blatt's tastes so good. I'm from Milwaukee and I ought to know why Blatt's beer tastes great wherever you go. All Blatt's is draft brewed, that's why you hear. Blatt's is Milwaukee's finest beer. Draft Brewed Blatt's, Milwaukee's favorite premium beer, now at local prices. Okay, so now let's let's talk a little bit about this, what you're doing. You meant, you've, you've alluded to, you've gone to these breweries, it's called Laughs and Drafts, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a brilliant idea. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, 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 I've never thought about it in those terms. So, so what happened was when I, I did a, I did a, a I, I've done two stand-up tours in the past. And they were all at theaters and they were, they were what's called a, a door deal and there's minimums and there's blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to sign something. Like, like I, I sold out House of Blues in Chicago. That's probably one of my favorite venues and favorite crowds. It was amazing. It was like 900 people. This was like 10 years ago. And I was like, I'm going to do the tour again. I don't know if I can guarantee them that we're going to get that many people. And so I'm a little bit nervous. I don't want to sign these huge deals with theaters across the country. Why don't I just do it at breweries and sell out every night? So the deal with the brewery is they have to be able to fit at least 200, 300 people and then, um, and then do the show at breweries. Breweries were hurting just like everybody uh, else through COVID. Um, they often have big spaces, whether it's in their tap room and their production space, whatever. They have places they can, they can kind of create this theater environment and um they were excited to, to to have us come in there and do it and so 
I, yeah, I did 89 breweries across the country in 2021. Um, you know, I mean, every, every corner of, of, of the country. Uh, and then this year, you know, same thing, but tack on Hawaii, but like, you know, I, I what happened with the laps and drafts is that I just, I just didn't know how it was going to go. Like I was, I, I did bet the farm on it. I literally bet the house on it. And, but I didn't know my wife's like, is it going to be good? People are going to show up. I'm like, yeah, totally. In my mind, I'm like, I don't know. And then when we put tickets on sale and start, saw that it was going to work, that was step one. Will people come? Yes. Then step two was, is the show going to be good? I think it's good. I don't know. I've been, I haven't performed it. I've been writing it for two years. And so when I get up there and the show starts killing it, um, then it's like, holy shit, like this, this is working. Both pieces of this formula are working. And then people are like, please come back. We want to hear more. Da, da, da. And so uh, the show is supposed to end in San Diego on December 18th, which it kind of did. But then I added 27 dates uh, from February until May of the last drafts of this cor- current uh, stand-up material that, that I'm doing. Uh, as of June 1st, then it'll be my next tour, Zane Lambert Live, which I'll show. do a whole new show, new jokes, every, everything. Now, where do people go right now, Zane, if they want to get tickets for the for the ones that are starting? Every, every, everything's at ZaneLamprey.com. Where'd you come up with yeah. the name? Um, I took my first name, and then I put my last name, and I put .com after it, and it just seemed to work. Did you get, have you gotten this? Because I've, get, I've gotten you this. Asking, you have you a, asking about, well, you, you have asking, a great you name. you about last address? My name, Dan. You asking about last and drafts? Yeah, no, I was, I, was last ju- and drafts or- I was joking about the name, like where'd you come up with it? But what, what, what what's true is okay. you have an, intru- thought, you have an interesting name. Right. Have people come up to you a lot and gone, what's your real name? Like thinking that Zane Lamprey's a stage name? Um, no, not ever. But I'll tell you what, honestly, people, no. But what happens every single night, and I credit this more with the name, right, than me, but every single night, every single show, Someone comes up and said, we named our, our kid after you. Wow. Mostly, mostly son, sometimes daughter. But I'm telling you, this year, over 100. Over 100. And by the way, you know, they're t- you know they're telling Billy Zane the same fucking thing when they see him. They're telling Billy Zane. They're telling <laughs> Zane Malik the same thing. But, but, but they're spelling it my way. And as, a, as opposed to spending, uh, spelling it like, um, what was this? Uh, there's a Zane in like One Direction or something like that. Z-A-Y. Well, what is it? What's the... Where does the name Zane come it, from? Honestly, it's Zane Gray, the the the, the writer. My dad was a fan of his, his, he was a he wrote westerns. Yeah, um, and it's and it's weird that he that that it's such a cool name, Zane Gray. It's weird that it did turn into more, but like I didn't meet my first Zane until I was probably thirty. I think you're the first Zane I ever met. Yeah, that was yeah yeah. What's interesting about my name because it's alliterative is if you're in a room, I've noticed this a lot. People go around the room, they'll be like, "Hey, this is um, this is Rick." And this is Susan and I, Glenn I know you say, and Dan, and, and Dan, and Dan Dunn. Dunn. And they always say yeah. my, and I'm like, who is that? Because it's a fun name. Dan Dunn. Because it's, 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 it's sing, it, it doesn't rhyme. As it, I would call it like, it's like sing-songy. Dan Dunn. Are you, are there any concerns? I mean, obviously there are concerns on your part, but are you I, hopeful that this latest fucking thing is going to go away by, not go away, but not stop you from going on tour? Well, yes, yes. Um, look, I got it at Christmas and, 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 and I was out and, 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 uh, honestly, no, I mean, do you, have you seen the data right now? You know, that like that three times as many people, um, tested positive today as, 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 as this day last year. So I, I think, I just think everyone's going to get it or is going to get the booster and come February, it's going to be like walking out of, of the apocalyptic bunker into the into the daylight Gr- give it give it groundhogs groundhog day whatever it's it's it there's just everyone i know so many people who just had it or have it right now it's it's mind-boggling and and it's just going to be like i think it's going to be it'll just be part of the thing like the flu right we've gotten the flu forever i'm not i'm not jumping into politics no, i get what saying, i like, get what you're saying you know what i mean but i do want to bring the, i do want to talk to you this will be the last thing i want to leave with because i've taken up a lot of your time here traveling all over doing the show and you're doing it in just every part of the country. Yeah. Given how polarized things are in the country. Cause I think back to when I wrote American mm-hmm. wino and I drove around the entire country, it seems like another lifetime ago. It was in 2014 
And there were tons of people. I was in Montana and Texas and, and, and Alabama and West. And it never was a thought that like, man, we are so far. To... Things changed a lot, obviously, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of that? Was there? Was... I'll tell, tell you what. The interesting thing is, this is not meant to be sappy. But when we were traveling around, the feeling was, is that people were, were either doing their part or weren't doing their part or they had opinions or whatever it was. They never showed up. At th- those opinions didn't show up at the show. What showed up at the show were people that just wanted to have a good time and forget about the bullshit of, of, of life for a bit. And that includes family. That includes COVID. That includes politics. Like that, that's not part of my, of my, of my standup. Um, it's not part of my, my satirical observation. Um, it, and so the people that show up, they were just like, you know, some people were a mass, some people weren't for the most part, for the most, most part they weren't. And they were just like, no, we're going to sit and have a beard and we're going to like laugh, like, like old times. And that was how it felt every single night, no matter if we were in New York or Texas or Seattle or, or San Francisco it was the same. It was the same thing. Like same kind of audiences they laughed at the same kind of same kind of stuff they were they were way more similar than we were expecting them to be because of the you know disparate uh you know the the, the changes that like you said have happened since 2016 where people have had have had to pick a side those were not evident which was which was beautiful and even traveling through florida like you know florida gets this bad rap of like oh florida man and people in florida are crazy like going through florida we like Nick, who opens for me, he was like, I was like prepared, you know, for Florida, but people were just normal and nice and it's, and it's beautiful here. And, you know, it's just like, and, it, and, and it was, it was in June. So it rained every day, but like, it was just a, yeah, just traveling around the country was just something I've been so pent up needing to do forever. And in my little break here, my self-imposed break from you know, December 18th until I think February 15th until I, you know, perform again. I'm now like, I'm jonesing to get out there. But, but, but I also did anticipate that COVID would make a resurgence. And that's why I didn't build in any shows until uh, mid-February. Cause I think it's going to take us a month to kind of shake off all the close contact that we had during, uh, during the holidays. So I guess the question would be this then is doing what you've done and what you're about to go do again, has it restored given you a any sense of hope that maybe so for instance when we're recording this tomorrow's the anniversary the show will go up after this but tomorrow's the anniversary of january 6th has doing what you've done given you a a sense of hope that maybe there is a way we're going to be able to figure this out and come together to to a degree i think it's one of those things that look this has been my my world observation so as you know when i talk about the show I've, I've been to 72 countries and even doing that made me realize when you sit down and have a drink with somebody that the politics of that person's country don't define that person, the, the, that, that person's personality or their goals, right? Like we're all out to, to save ourselves, provide for our family, have the best experience we can have in the short time we have on this rock hurling through space. And, and, and that is no different than what I experienced traveling around the country that, you know, people, people want to have hope. Like, you know, we're, and, and especially when you're having a drink and you're laughing, you kind of let all those things go. And I think that, I think, I don't think I'm the only person that had that observation during any of these shows it was like, Hey, we're all laughing at the same thing. We all come from different places, different countries and different backgrounds, but we're all sitting here together laughing at something all laughing at the same, the same stuff. And, and, um, you know, laughing at really a lot of the stories about a lot of the stupid shit that I've done over the past decade or two, but like, I, yeah, did it, re- did it restore my faith in humanity? It really did. And I'll tell you what, we did a lot of collaborations with animal rescues. That was our big thing to affect as many, um, uh, animal rescues and people and adoptions and stuff like that when we were out there. And that was very prevalent. People loved t- telling me about the pet that they adopted or the animal that they saved or, you know, or, or, you know, donating to different animal rescues. So like, no, man, it might, my, my, yeah. Like I, my, my soul was pretty crushed, you know, right in the middle of 2020. And even when I started this tour in 2021, 
I was, you know, my, my, again, my faith in humanity was, was, was restored. Not, not all of it. I mean, let's be honest, but, 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 but some of it. Well, that is good to hear. And I think that's as good a place as any to leave off with this Zane. It's always good to see you, buddy. And everybody go to, go to ZaneLamprey.com for tickets and information about laughs and drafts. As I said, I, I saw the show and I thought it was just fantastic. And what was the place in Hollywood? That beer was really good too. Dude, dudes brewing dudes brewing and so yeah the, the, that's the other thing I, I looked at the list of places that zane went went on the tour last year and a lot of really good breweries in there so go out have oh, God, some beer yeah. have some laughs have a good time and uh you know the guy's spirit has been lifted don't crush his spirit get don't tickets zane love you buddy good Thank good you, talking Thank to you bro. Bro. Love he's right frank the tank is not lying it really is so good when it hits your lips oh boy i'm ready to crack a beer right now that's gonna do it for this episode of the show i want to thank zane lamprey for being on follow zane at zane lamprey on all the social medias invite you to follow me as well i'm at the imbiber that's t-h-e-i-m-b-i-b-e-r the podcast Instagram is WWD underscore podcast. Get on there. Follow. I, I, I got a new social media team that's doing some really cool videos. There's a great video up there right now of Zane chatting with me. Go find it. It's got cool little effects and everything. It's wonderful. And also, folks, please, if you like this show, I, I really, really encourage you to tell people about it. That's the way the show grows. We grow this way with uh, word of mouth. That's what does it. You got some friends in your life that like to drink, or they like to be entertained, or they like to listen to goofballs like me and Zane Lamprey shoot the shit. Well, tell them about what we're drinking. And, uh, yeah, that's all. I got nothing else. I got no mo. No mo show. Show done. I'm showed out. Showless. Joe.